Right now, there are churches all over the place who are um, experiencing like a, a kick off the year by praying something. Um, and we are about to do the same thing. Uh, we intentionally wait a little bit. Um, and that has a couple of reasons. <clears throat> one, maybe the most important one, is that by waiting a week or so, more of our college students are able to be involved at the beginning of it. And since college students are uh, a big part of our DNA and a big part of our heart, and a big part of our population, so to speak, um, we think it's appropriate to, uh, to definitely wait until kind of school gets going and they're kind of coming back into town. Um, we also, uh, it kind of, basically leads up to the church birthday, and um, there's a lot of turnover in leadership that happens at that time on, uh, in February and uh, whatever, but let me just quick snapshot of, what, uh, of why we do this. Um, in the 90s, uh, I believe it was in 99, we, uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of talk about the ring uh, among ourselves, not outside, <laughs> nobody cared outside, but uh, we like to talk about it a lot, and um, we were basically, there's maybe 45 or 50 of us, all between like age 18 and 25, and um, you know, you get that age group in a room, and uh, you know, every Sunday, and I mean, when we were at Parkview, man, they'd, they'd lock up and they'd go home, and we was just us, and, uh, and we took advantage of it. And we, we did what we felt like God wanted us to do. And uh, so God really got to, really got to go in. And um, so we, we were just talking a lot about what's, what's he doing here? I mean, is this just, just for a season while we're all in school? Or is there something more to it? And there was just a sense that, that the ring was on a trajectory of some sort. We just didn't know where. And um, so like a lot of people, we were, you know, we were reading books and listening to sermons and and this guy says this, and this church does this, and, you know, just a lot of that kind of stuff. And, um, at some point, we realized that we were doing a whole lot, of, whole lot of talking, a whole lot of looking, and not a whole, not any praying, and not any of getting into this. And we were all about reading books written by people who are still alive. We're like, maybe we should read some books by some dead people. Um, and, like, yeah, let's read some books by people who aren't with us anymore. And then we're like, well, it seems like everybody, everywhere we look, there's this push toward innovation, you know, new, raise, new ways to reach people and new strategies for church structure and missions and all this kind of stuff. And, um, God, and this is nothing against those things. I think everybody just has to be obedient to what they're supposed to do. But for us, God was like, well, let's just go back to, uh, to here. So once you go back to read this book, talk to me instead of reading other books and talking to other people. Let's go back to here. And that's what you hear so much. We just need a New Testament church again. So we figured, well, if that's, if that's where they were getting it right the most historically, then let's look at what was going on. And so um, 
someone, I'm not sure who it was, it wasn't me, had the wisdom of saying, okay, let's just take the time from the end of the fall semester to the beginning of the spring semester, and let's, uh, let's just do nothing but just pray and study the Word and not talk to each other anymore about where the ring is going. And um, everybody just go on their own journey during that month, and at the end of that month, we'll, we'll have some gathering, we'll all come together and we'll say, what what'd y'all learn? And if, we're, if we all kind of learn the same things and we all kind of arrived at some of the same conclusions separately without influencing each other um, and God being the one speaking to us and, and through the scriptures, same thing, then maybe, maybe we'll be onto something. And so uh, we've never been very creative at the ring, so we called it 30 days of prayer because it was like about 30 days of prayer. And so uh, that was the, uh, the name that we copyrighted, so don't try and steal it. Um, and so uh, we're like, this is what we're going to do and uh, see what happens. And at the end of that, when we get in that meeting, I mean, God may say, shut it down in March. We'll shut it down in March. Or God may say, become a church. We'll become a church. You know, we just didn't know. So, um, so we did that. And that group of people sat around in a living room and um, basically everybody just threw what they had into a big, you know, 30 days of prayer gumbo deal. And at the end, we really liked what we had. And God had put us on the same page about some things and different pages about other things. So we went with the same page things. And, um, and then uh, yada, yada, yada. Here we are. Yes, I just yada, yada. 10 years of church history. But um, we, we've done that ever since. And um, some years we were really like, we need, to, we need an answer to these things. And other years, we're like, we just, we just need to be praying for one another. And we, we, just, we need this as a church. Uh, there was, we haven't really had a big agenda the last couple of years. Just been like, look, this is, this is good and necessary, and we need God to use this to shape us. And so it's just become a part of what we do each year. And so that begins tomorrow. And uh, the way that it's going to work is like last year, where um, there have been years where, where we've written our own uh, our own devotional. Uh, early on, we just turned everybody loose, and then we kind of felt like there needed to be a little more structure to it, so we, we've, uh, we had written some guides before. Um, this is what we're going to do this year. We're going to, uh, we're going to email every day um, an and excerpt to read, and uh, is from Andrew Murray's uh, With Christ in the School of Prayer. He's the same guy that wrote the one we did last year, which was The True Vine. Um, and so our 30 days overall topic is going to be prayer it's kind of weird maybe but we're going to learn about prayer by praying about learning how to pray about prayer um and so we're going to email you the like the excerpt then what the elders have done is the elders have uh have gone through those entries and pulled out some like like specific applications for us so each day there is a personal like almost like a pray this you know, for yourself kind of deal. And then there's a, there's a personal one, there's a corporate one. Um, and uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to send that out every day. And if you, uh, if you don't have email access, um, we have some hard copies printed out for this week. And so every Sunday we'll have those available. You can pick those up. Um, if you have internet access at work but not on the weekends, uh, you can just email me and I'll send you Saturday and Sunday or um, I'll send it to you early, and you can print it out while you're at work on company time, and I'll get caught. Um, so, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going we're to do that. It's going to go for 30 days, and um, 
we're just going to see what, what God can do. And so what I want us to do tonight is really, basically, um, it's not a pep rally. Um, but I think, I think we need to prepare for what tomorrow brings um, by kind of maybe letting God uh, reveal some things. And so what I want us to do is just we're going to look, uh, look at a, a couple of examples. If, if innovation and strategy and all this kind of stuff is fine and good, um, but the book of Acts really reveals the, this is the reality of when, when ministries were connecting with hundreds and thousands of people at a time. Uh, this is when the, the power of the Holy Spirit was like just rolling. And there were, I mean, there were healings and there, were, uh, there, was, there was deliverance and there, were, there was salvation and there was persecution and there was just all this stuff going on. If we look at that and we say, this is how, this is how they were during that. Um, instead of trying to c- come up with something new, maybe we just need to go back to something really old. And um, I think this is going to be good for us tonight. So we're going to look at uh, prayer in the book of Acts. Just three examples of, of things that maybe uh, describe what prayer was like for them. And maybe we can contrast that a little bit. So if you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. Uh, but I would encourage you to bring, uh, to bring your Bibles with you. I think there's something beneficial about about that. I think there's something really good about that because if you, uh, if we navigate through the, our physical Bibles here, when you get home, it's the same thing. You know, our tendency is to, is to leave things in the rooms where the gatherings happen and God's like, no, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do this other places too. Um, anyway, Acts chapter one, um, let's just start at the beginning. It's a good place. In the first book, O Theophilus, all right, that's a person, uh, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, so here, here, comes, here comes the big prayer deal, all right? Um, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, so what did Jesus tell him to do? Exactly. That was beautiful. Let's try it again. Wait. I didn't think y'all would go for it even the second time. That was good. Uh, so, all right, so Jesus tells them, he tells them to wait because the Spirit had been promised to them. He's like, don't leave Jerusalem, just wait here, okay? So if you, if you keep reading, uh, there's the ascension. He goes up into heaven, and there's the, uh, you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Awesome stuff. So they're there. Jesus goes up in the sky. Angel's like, what are y'all looking at, you know? And so they are kind of probably standing around looking at each other. In verse 12, says they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered, they were, went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James. 
All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All right? All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Okay, so Jesus said to what? Wait. And they went back to the room and they did what? Prayed. Jesus said to wait. They prayed. Were they disobedient? No. You read, read through the, the Old Testament, you'll see waiting and prayer are like the same, it's in the same thing for them. So Jesus said to wait, so they go back and they just begin to pray. Now the, the first quality, I think, uh, the thing that kind of describes their prayer lives uh, would be that prayer was, it was a natural thing for them. It was, it was just a natural instinct for these these believers. And I don't mean it was natural as in a sense like, like it was easy. You know, that like, like you ever find prayer to be really, really difficult? Because I do. Um, I find it very difficult to know what to say. I find it very difficult to stay on track. You know, like next, like I'll, I'll be praying great and next thing I know, like I'm, I'm elsewhere. Let's just put it that way. Like I, can't, I just struggle with that, and then I feel bad, because I'm like, oh, I've been thinking about not praying for like three minutes now, and God's probably like, come on, dude, get back on track, you know, and you play this whole scenario out, like God disappointed in you because you didn't pray right, and you know, all this stuff, and, and um, I don't mean like it's natural as in like it's easy, and it just, you know, whatever. I mean natural, like that was their natural response to Jesus telling them to wait. Not the act of praying, but just the fact that they prayed. That that was their, that's what you would think of. You ever, like, been in a situation and way, 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 way after you should have, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should pray about this. That's, that's what I'm talking about, that it was natural. Like, they was like, well, of course we're going to pray. What else would we do? Jesus said to wait, so we're going to, I mean, we're going to pray and wait. We're going to ask God, you know, for whatever, we don't really know necessarily. But they were devoted to this natural inclination to pray. It was like an instinct for them. And I, I don't know, when I, when I look at, at that, I'm very challenged because um, like I, I tend to, to try to plan like my next couple of steps out all the time. And uh, like the more, the more I like the more I just walk through life and I get older, I realize, like, how, like, in one sense, I'm like, well, man, prayer should be one of those steps, you know? But then you look at another sense, it's like, no, no, prayer should be a part of every one of those steps. Like, that should just be a natural, like, there's, there's nothing that I do that is not prayed over. And I'm not talking about, you know, what movie do I go see or what I'm going to eat tonight, but I'm talking about, like, as you navigate your way through life, that Prayer, it's just a natural thing. Like, it would be completely stupid, and it would not make any sense for you to do something without it being prayed through. To be the kind of person where you're just, you're always abiding, and so things don't really, like, you don't have to say, well, I'm going to need a couple weeks to pray about this. There are times when you just can just make a decision. So, like, an example would be, like, I, um, I sent the elders this morning a text message that said, NFC Championship is at 5.40 next week. We need to decide what we're going to do. Can you meet at 4.30 to talk about it? 
And they were all like, yeah, we can do that. Met, made the decision. Go on. I know, the, I know these men. And I could have just pulled them all together in here, like before prayer started, and say, hey, um, we need to make this decision. And I think that they pray enough to where they wouldn't say, well, I mean, we're going to need to take a couple weeks. And think about, we'll need, well, let's, I need at least till Saturday to decide. Because prayer is it's a natural part of shepherding. It's a part of, of who they are. It's a part of what they do. So it's a part of, of every step. So there's a certain degree of abiding that's happening where I feel like I can trust their, like, their natural um, shooting from the hip decision. And that's, that's, I look at, at that, like I, I want to live my life that way. To where whatever's going on, whether it's really, really big stuff, like, hey, there's been an earthquake in Haiti, or like for them, they're like, there goes Jesus up into the sky, and they're like totally confused. Their natural thing was like, all right, let's pray. I mean, for the really big stuff, yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I want that just all the time. I want it to be weird when I haven't prayed about something. I want it to be weird when I enter into a day that I've not come before the Father and realigned my heart and my mind. You know, I want that to be strange. I want, I want that to be the discomforting thing and not the other side, you know. So I look at that, and, and I'm like, I, I want that. I want it to be, like, instinctive for me. Um, and as a pastor, like, I want that for our church. Like, I want our church to, like, to that that's what we do. That's not just a, one of our next steps. That's a part of every step that we take. Pretty cool. Look at, uh, go to Acts 4. Let's look at another one. In Acts 4, uh, Peter and John had been arrested and, because they were preaching Jesus, basically. And uh, the officials uh, told them, like, look, uh, we're going to let you go, but don't, you, you can't do that anymore. They're like, sorry, we can't. We're, I mean, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. And the officials had told them, like, look, it's, it's not going to be good if you keep doing this. And they're like, well, it's not for you to say. Sorry. And so what's going on here is there's this, there's a great amount of, of tension, and there's this persecution that's coming um, to where they're they're arresting them and stuff like that. But remember, they had just watched Jesus get pulled from a garden, um, arrested, accused of all this stuff, um, beaten almost uh, you know, within an inch of his life, hung up on a cross to suffocate and die. I mean, they had just seen what happens when you get arrested and when you cross the wrong people. And these were the same people that were now telling them, look, don't do that anymore. So, uh, probably a little bit awkward, probably a little bit of tension there or whatever. And so, in, uh, look at verse 23. It says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and Rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together uh, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, 
both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Okay? So it's like, look, at, look at upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The second thing I think that's worth our time to look at is that um, prayer for them was, was centered on God. Prayer was centered on the kingdom, on the gospel, on uh, everything that, that Jesus was about. That's what their prayer centered on. And then, by, you know, on the other, like, it could have been centered on themselves. So, in the midst of, like, guaranteed persecution, like, no, like, maybes at, at all, like, guaranteed persecution, um, they, in, instead of saying, like, God, uh, would you protect us from this? Protect us from these unfair laws and these unfair rulers and from Herod, the jerk, you know, Pontius Pilate, he's a punk, and, you know, keep us safe. Help us to, uh, you know, to, you know, do everything in secret so that we don't get busted. And all. They could have prayed so many things, that, but instead, they say, just give us boldness. In the face of all that, would you give us boldness? When they prayed, they were centered on the right thing on Jesus, on the kingdom, on the gospel, on the mission, on what Jesus had told them to do, on what he had trained them to go and to accomplish, and not on themselves and not on their comforts and not on their needs and not on the circumstances. So again, I find myself very challenged, and I look at that and I say, I, I want to do that. If I were to have a transcript of my prayer life, I'm probably not uh, going to like want to uh, you know, post that on Facebook or anything because I don't think that if you were to look at self-centered content versus Jesus-centered content that there would be a whole lot of uh, I, I, think, I think we all know which way it would tip it wouldn't even be balanced it would be completely leaning toward me and I look at, at that life and I, and I see I mean they were praying in faith not based on their sight. I mean, they were praying about truth and not about lies. And I look at that, and I'm so, so just stirred. Because I look at that, I'm like, I want to be that way. I want to be the kind of believer that's like, no matter what happens in the, the world, if, if, if the persecution goes up, and I'm saying, I want my boldness to double that. It says in the Old Testament with the, when you have the Egyptians and the Israelites and uh, what frustrated the Egyptians was, it, there's a verse that says, the more they were persecuted, the more they multiplied. I've always liked that verse, because I'm like, that's right, you, you just bring the heat, because what's coming back at you is going to be twice as bad. Like, I want to be that way. I'm not there. I'm not there. But I want to be. So their prayers, it was a natural instinct for them. And, and their prayers were, were God-centered. It was mission-focused. It was about Christ and his supremacy and whatever he called them to do. And it was not about them. 
Their lives were not about themselves. It was, they, they understood in a way that I do not, the fact that their lives were not their own. Next thing, look at Acts 12. It was a great story, and uh, so so Peter and John were just troublemakers, and they just kept getting in, kept getting busted, and God kept like you know hooking them up, and so uh, Peter is in jail, and uh, you should read the story. You should read twelve. You should read the whole chapter at some point. You should read the whole Bible at some point. I should read the whole Bible at some point. But uh, this is uh, it's awesome because like he's there in jail, and I mean it wasn't like. We're not talking about like Andy Griffith, where it's like the keys like hanging next to the thing, and the guy falls asleep, and you reach around the thing and unlock it. We're talking about like probably like probably like chained to a wall kind of deal, um, and he- very heavily guarded. If you read it, like they didn't want this dude getting away, and so of course, um, God sends an angel in and hooks him up, and he gets out of jail. And so, uh, but anyway, while he's there, look at verse five in chapter twelve. It says, "So Peter was kept in prison." But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. All right? So Peter's in prison. The church, the rest of the believers were there, like, they were praying for him. And that would be the, the third point of mine, is there was, there was an, their prayers were earnest. I mean, it was, it was not like a casual thing for them. This wasn't like something good to do. This wasn't saying the blessing before a meal just because it's tradition. This wasn't the opening and closing prayer of a church service. I mean, this was, this was life for them. And that connection to the Father was not like a joke. I mean, it was not a game at all. And so I'm sure that you and I can, can relate to uh, like a crisis where you pray more. Maybe for them, maybe, maybe Peter being in prison was a crisis. I kind of think they were just kind of used to it. You know, they're like, uh, he's in jail again. All right. Pray for him. At, you know, we've been praying for him when he's been free running around. Pray for him in jail. You know, why not? But they were earnestly praying for him. And look, this is great. Look at verse 12. Um, so, so he gets out, and he goes uh, to find everybody. It says, verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. All right, follow that one. Uh, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. I just like the name Rhoda. I'm pumped, I'm pumped it's in the Bible. I think it's awesome. Uh, verse 14, recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. All right. Theological weirdness going on here, but we'll let it slide. Uh, Verse 16, but Peter continued, he continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Okay? Now, all the funny parts about that story aside, have you ever been praying for something and you were interrupted by the answer? That's never happened to me. And this is why that's never happened to me. Because um, when I pray for something, uh, there's probably a very low level of expectation that God's going to do it. And there is very, very little persistence 
My prayers would not be in the earnest category. My prayer life would not be of the serious variety. Um, I've never been so determined and driven and praying about something that I'm like, God, quit, quit talking to me because I'm praying to you. Quit talking, I'm praying to you. And he's like, I'm answering your prayer. Never happened. I want my prayers to be inter- interrupted with answers. Like I want God to have to scream at me with a megaphone to get me to stop praying because he's trying to communicate something to me. There's a lot of ways to define prayer. I'm not a piper, like, I'm not like worship John Piper or anything like that, like some people are, but he, he does the, goes on this tangent in one of his sermons, and it's brilliant. And this is what he says. He says, prayer is, is one way. He says, if you look in the Bible, prayer is from, is from us to God. It's just me to him, me to him, us to him, us to him. So prayer, biblically, is never about him talking back. It's not communication like it's two ways. It's us conveying something. So we're just, we're just we're praying. We're throwing, throwing those prayers up or out or whatever, in, whatever. Uh, we're, just, we're just conveying stuff to him, and we're conveying it. We're conveying it. He says we're so hung up on you know, the, him having to answer or feeling like it's this two-way conversation, like we're texting or something, that we end up not praying because we're frustrated because you like, always feel like I'm just talking to the air. Well, no, you're talking to him. So the Bible says just to pray. You just convey those things, convey those things, convey those things. And don't sit there and say, well, I'll never hear from him. It's like, well, you're not supposed to because that's not prayer. That's revelation. That's a whole, whole different ballgame. And I love that so much because it's so freeing to me. And so here's this group, and they're just conveying whatever, 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 whatever. And it's almost like God has to like, just like, like stop the car and be like, hey, I'm answering this sucker. I hear you. And I, I want to I be that way. But I'm not. I see that and I, I want that. So I, I, I want, for me as an individual, I want my prayer life to be a natural instinct. I want it to be kingdom-centered and not self-centered. And I want there to be, I want it to just, it to be a serious, like this is how I abide with him. And as a pastor, I want that for our church. Like I, I, I want that. And I'm not saying that we're not, we haven't made progress because we, we absolutely have. But as we stand here, we look what's, what the next 30 days are going to bring. The possibility that at, at the end of that, some of these things would be more true for us, that really, that, that pumps me up. And so I was thinking, I was like, how, how did they get to this point, you know? Because they were kids. No offense to 20-year-olds in this room, but they were like 18, 20, maybe 25, somewhere in that range. They weren't like all grown men with beards and all wise like that. Like they were figuring it out. And God pulled them off of fishing boats and from uh, being at the low level of tax-collecting jobs, and he pulled this ragamuffin group together, and now next thing you know, they're in charge. I'm like, how in the world did they get that instinctive, God-centered, earnest prayer life? Last, last verse, Luke chapter 11. It 
beginning of Luke 11, just this one verse. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. I, I mean, I'm no New Testament scholar or theologian, I, but I kind of think that's probably where it started. That Acts 1, Acts 4, Acts 12, the whole book of Acts, all the way down through history and obedience of the saints, coming all the way to this point, I think it all started with that request. We don't know how to pray. You, huh, you know how to pray. Will you teach me? When I was in the seventh grade, they, uh, I was, uh, I've come from a, a musical family, and uh, so we were in band class one day in seventh grade, and they were like, hey, we're making an announcement, we're going to start a jazz band, if, if we can find a bass player. And, uh, my friend was like, he's like, hey, your dad has a bass, doesn't he? I was like, I think there's one in the attic. I don't even know how he knew that. But uh, I was like, yeah. So uh, the kid raised his hand because he wanted there to be a jazz band. And he was like, uh, he has bass. <laughs> so, um, so they gave me a folder with three songs in it. And uh, I said, learn the first one. It was called Rock Candy. And, uh, and um, so I took it home, and I was like, Dad, I'm the new bass player in a jazz band, you know. Uh, and so, you know, he was like, um, and, and this song, it literally had four notes in it. And they were all whole notes. And so he, he was like, he's like, this is, uh, you know, he's like, all the frets, it's all, you know, half steps. And this is the first note you start on. I'm pretty sure you can figure it out. So I figured out the first song. Go to the first day of practice. They thought I was a genius, you know. <laughs> I just taught myself to play this. And I'm like, oh. So they said, let's learn the next song. And the next song had like 50 times as many notes. And it was way faster. And so I had to go home and, like, figure it out. And over the years, uh, as I've come across different people who, like, know how to play the bass, they don't understand how I play the bass. Because apparently I do it very wrong. Uh, and, like, I've had people just, like, stare at me when I'm playing, like, oh, like, a, like not a good face, like a, a bad face. Um, and, and I, I, ne I never took a lesson. Like, I never, I was just like, I, I'll just figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Um, I think that's, in a lot of ways, how I have learned how to pray. I had some people over the years be like, well, this is, you know, do this or do this. Just kind of had to stumble through and kind of figure it out. Shift gears. Um, I, uh, like I said, grew up in a musical family. We did some outdoor stuff, but we never did, we fished a little bit, but we didn't, we didn't like, we were like cane pole in a cricket kind of fishing, you know, like we didn't like do this kind of stuff. We're no, there was no KVD growing up. Uh, and and uh, so um, over the years, I found it incredibly, uh, incredibly um, difficult at times to like connect with guys. Uh, if, um, and that's just, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. And so I just kind of felt like, like, beginning to do some more, like, more things that guys do would probably be good. Like, I mean, me and Trent Allen, we got a bass playing like this, you know, like, we're buddies over that, but there ain't a whole lot of people lining up being like, teach me to play the bass, and we get to know each other, whatever. Uh, and so, um, so I was like, okay, I need to do that. And there, there came this point really quickly, I was like, but I'm going to have to, like, go to people and say, I know I'm 33, will you teach me how to fish? <laughs> you know? Will you teach me how to hunt? Will you, you know, whatever. Um, 
And so, so that's what I did, is I went to a couple of different people, and I was like, okay, uh, when are you going to teach me how to fish? You know, kind of joking, when are you going to teach me? And then when we go, I just like ask a thousand questions a minute, and probably drive them crazy, and, uh, and have learned a little bit, you know, and now that like deer season's coming on, every time I go, I was, the other night, I was like, all right, disciple me, uh, were those deer too far away or not, you know? Um, that has, has, uh, has been a completely different thing for me because in, in all those environments, I've had to pursue people who knew how to do that. People that I had relationships with, and I was like, uh, just, just that simple. Will you teach me how to fish? Will you teach me how to deer hunt? Will you teach me how to, you know, whatever. Um, that is, that's where I find myself now with the 30 days of prayer starting tomorrow and the last couple of weeks kind of ramping up to it for me. Um, I have, the, I have that stumble around, figure it out, learn kind of a weird way history. I'm at a point now where like, I want to do what they did. And I want to look at Jesus and say, teach, will you teach me how to pray? Undo all this other stuff that I've learned and all the things I haven't learned. You know how to pray. You lived here on the earth. You know what a, a dark and tough place this, this can be. You had a, a, a flesh body just like me but you made it through without sinning. Like, you know how to do this, and I don't. And I want you to teach me. When I look at the other people that he taught, I really like what their lives look like. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not playing the comparison game. I'm just saying, like, look, I want to be in that camp of being a part of what, when God just rolls through entire communities and entire rooms. Like, I want to, I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. And that's not going to happen apart from my prayer life, um, growing and deepening um, with Jesus as the one who teaches me. Tomorrow, um, you know, late tonight, we'll send out the stuff for tomorrow, and you read it, and the personal application part for tomorrow says something like, intentionally enroll yourself in, in Jesus' school of prayer. That's what tomorrow holds for us. And um, I was thinking about this earlier. I know I said earlier it wasn't a pep rally, but LSU does this thing where uh, the night before uh, your first day, your freshman year, they bring all the freshmen in the PMAC, and the band comes in. They do this whole thing and whatever. And I was kind of thinking, like, it's kind of cool that, like, we're all together tonight. And tomorrow, for a lot of us, I mean, maybe not everybody, but for a lot of us, like, tomorrow we enroll in this this deal, and we say, Jesus, would you teach us, we teach me, we teach us how to pray, like tomorrow's school starts, you know, that's really, really cool to me, that we get to be in one room and kind of be like, oh, yeah, it's three days starts, you know, whatever, and I started thinking about Acts 1, Acts 4, and Acts 12, and the whole book of Acts, like, man, what in the world could 10,002, 2010, what in the world... (laughs) Uh, could that hold for us as a church? Who knows? But I'm excited about it. And so here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for us, and Cody's going to come up. He's going to lead us in a song or two, um, just as and it's just going to be him, and we're just going to sing. And this is, I, I hope, like our way of collectively um, ramping up into tomorrow. All right, let me, let me pray for us.
God, um, we thank you, Father, for the many things you've done for us. We thank you that, um, that your desire for our lives is also to have prayer lives that are natural instincts and prayer lives that are completely centered on you and prayer lives that are, are serious and earnest and deep and meaningful um, and driven. And God, we thank you that when we come to you and we say, well, you teach us how to pray, you don't laugh at us. You don't say, but you've been a Christian for this many years. You, you, it just excites you and thrills you in ways we have no idea about. That we want to come and we want to be taught by you. God, to take a whole church full of people and put them all together and, and for us to walk the same path over the next month. Um, I know that that brings a great deal of joy to your heart. And uh, so God, tonight as we sing, as we just sort of just uh, commit together and look ahead, God, I pray that, that you, um, you help us to realize our need, our need to be taught, our need to learn, our need to pray. And God, get us ready. Get us ready for whatever is ahead. And pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand together. Let's sing a little bit. Jumbo.